Today on The Topping Show, ATF director is roasted when you can't define what an assault rifle is, Barbie now has Down syndrome, Texas arms school teachers, Dylan Mulvaney calls for jail for those who misgender, Big Lots and the Container Store to honor Bed Bath Beyond coupons, FDIC is poised to take over the First Republic Bank as their stock continues to plunge, Bud Light sales continue to plunge as well as much as 50%, causing an emergency meeting to be called, and Sam's Club accidentally puts diesel fuel in regular gas tanks. All that and much, much more on The Topping Show. Thank you everyone for tuning in today. Today's episode of The Topping Show is sponsored by Topping Technologies. Topping Technologies is an IT value-added reseller and services company with a special proficiency in IT security. Heck, I see their owner at least twice a day. Gotta say, he's quite handsome and brilliant. He's me. That's the joke. If you're an IT leader or a business owner and use the little assistance with IT, you can reach the team at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Now, going into the business part of the podcast, we have a special release Barbie from Mattel. Now, Mattel was established back in 1945 in El Segundo, California, and they collaborated with the National Down Syndrome Society to, quote, ensure the doll accurately represents a person with Down Syndrome, unquote. Interestingly, the doll will have a dress color that is blue and yellow with butterflies, with re- which represent the symbols and colors associated with Down Syndrome awareness. The doll will also have three chevrons on Barbie's necklace. Now, those three chevrons actually represent the three copies of the 21st chromosome that people with Down syndrome have. The doll will also wear a ankle foot orthotics with some children with Down syndrome have to utilize in order to fluidly walk. Now this is perhaps one of the best business stories in terms of, it's not, it's something that many people can get around and they really come together in terms of it's not very politically decisive, basically the opposite of the Bud Light approach. And interestingly enough though, there are some people trying to make it political I don't think it was politically done intentionally. Now, political commentator Matt Walsh from the Daily Wire, he thought that the doll in this release from Mattel is actually a pro-life statement from the company, which is a very interesting observation. Now, historically, if you look at the United States and where abortion was coming into conversation, many people trying to justify the procedure, some call murder, now, they're saying, well, it's so that they can come with, you don't have to have the parents have these types of burdens, although more people, I would argue more people would say that any child is a blessing. But they would say, hey, here's the doctor, they're coming at you with this data. This data says it's gonna be these things with the child. And one of the things that they used to know is Down syndrome, which caused some parents to make the decision to actually abort the child. Now, this decision to make a, a toy that supports that community, Matt Walsh is thinking that's actually a pro-life statement because instead of getting rid of that child, this toy company is saying there's nothing wrong with that child. They're just as valuable as every other child. And here, we're gonna make a toy that actually shows them, hey, you're unique, you're special. Here's something that you can identify with and you can enjoy. So it's an interesting take. I don't think Mattel had that intention, granted, one would think a toy company would be extremely pro-life since the more kids that people have, the larger the market. It is a recent weird phenomenon where you have adults buying t- children toys, like McDonald's coming out with the adult-kid toy combo, and all the adults are buying that like children. But 
Nevertheless, one would think a toy company would want that so that they would have an increase in customer base so they could sell more toys. Now, being based in California, historically, I don't think that was their intention, but overall, I think it's a great business decision that a lot of people are getting behind, and it's a nice feel-good story of the day, which maybe is, maybe that, perhaps is that's why you don't see a lot of this in the mainstream news. It's unfortunately just based on click rates, usually the things that are more exciting, unfortunately, negative is sales. Now, another feel-good story of the day, you have Bed Bath Beyond, they're going out of business, unfortunately. They're still technically publicly traded. I think last time I checked, it was like 10 cents a share, which, but they announced publicly that they're gonna go through chapter 11 bankruptcy, which means their goal, and they were very explicit, is that they're gonna stay open in order to liquefy and sell all of the assets, everything from the current inventory levels to the fixtures of the stores, and then of course the intellectual property, as some entrepreneur, I'm sure, is gonna actually pay for that brand. Now, interesting, so you have them going out of business, and one of the things that everyone in my family, everyone I know, when they think of Bed Bath Beyond, they think of the coupon, the giant, big old white and blue coupon that says 20% off, and it was invaluable. It was actually the only, it was a big reason that my parents were able to help me get an awesome graduation pre present of the Vitamix Blender, made in the USA, more expensive, I think it's $500 list price. It's been about, shoot, 10 years, using that three times a day, it's still working. And I throw vegetables in that thing, ice, and great return on investment. It says, I think, seven-year factory warranty. Not sponsored, just a fan. But we were able to afford that because Bed Bath Beyond had that coupon. We would go to the store, and that one coupon is 20%. That's a lot of money, even though the government steals, I mean, charges about 10% for sales tax. Nevertheless, every penny counts. And a lot of the consumers were drawn to Bed Bath Beyond for that coupon. Now, in the light of them going belly up, you have two companies brilliantly thought, how can we take customers here and efficiently pull them to our stores? One of the most difficult things in retail is getting people in your store physically. It's paramount to the success of the store. And it's also one of the fascinating calculations and the Rubik's Cube of business is how do you incentivize that new foot traffic to get to the store? So you have Big Lots. Now they're gonna offer 20% off discounts. So they're gonna honor that coupon for Beth Bath Beyond. So if you have a Bed Bath Beyond coupon, you can take that to a Big Lots and any order over $50, they will give you that discount. Now that goes all the way until May 7, 2023. Brilliant way to capture that audience that was not previously shopping at your store, as well as it makes people happy, obviously, because they get that coupon and they can still use it. Also, Texas-based, the Container Store filed suit as well. Now the Container Store noted that they're offering 20% off discount to any single item in the store, so even better than Big Lots. Someone say bigger, Texas-based, of course. Now, that promotion also is better. It goes to May 31st of 2023. So this is an example of, it's a brilliant business decision because who doesn't have a drawer of 50 of those coupons? Lord knows my family saved those throughout the years. It was almost a cliche of how do you not have a whole drawer of them? They come so frequently. But this is a brilliant way to capture that new foot traffic. And long-term, of course, the goal is to have those customers become loyal long-term customers, which of course is how you make a profit usually. In retail, there's a lot of things called a loss leader. Think of when you go to the store to buy milk, if you, um, if you buy this, such types of things. It's always located at the back of the store. And it's usually for a cheap price point. 
Now, more often than not, they're actually losing money. It's called a lost leader because they know you, most Americans have, they think they have to buy milk. So it's a staple. It's a necessity in their mind. So they'll go to the store and they'll go all the way to the back of the store to get that cheap gallon of milk. But of course, you're going all the way back to the store. That's a lot of advertising opportunity for the store to flash all the lights and all the bells and whistles. And I actually know that was Kmart. They used to have that cool promo. Sorry, Stone, they need to bring that back. Granted, they're gone-ish. But nevertheless, you walk past a little bunch of other items which are more profitable, and you add those items to your cart more often than not, and that is how they make a profit. So it'll be interesting to see if the Container Store and Big Lots are able to transition these clients to be long-term loyal customers. Nevertheless, that's... Let me know in the comments. Should we have the opposite of a business blunder of the day? Maybe, ooh, maybe we'll have business brilliance of the day. That's not too bad. That... That might be, might have to do a long-term thing. Let me know what y'all think. Now, unfortunately, we do have some sad business news. You have the FDIC, also known as the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. They're, if you ever go to a bank, you'll see that nice old placard that says, this bank is insured by FDIC. And you have a book or textbook of, you know, micro text below it. Rudimentarily speaking, it means your funds and your deposits are insured up to $250,000. So if you have $249,999.99, if the bank goes bust, the government, or more accurately, this government entity, they will give you that money. Basically, Uncle Sam will write you a check. It's insured. Granted, most of that money is also consisting of funds and fees. That's how the FDIC is traditionally funded. But another bank is about to go under. So when you had Silicon Valley Bank, and I, I was not unique in this prediction, but in business and life, you see a lot of things called the ripple effect. Throw a stone in the water, you'll see it doesn't just make an impact, it also makes the rings that hover around it. So when Silicon Valley Bank went belly up due to their foolishly, their extremely imprudent business decisions, there will be many long form documentaries that come out from that situation as well. And they should be, they shall be fascinating. But when that went belly up, that caused a huge scare throughout the community in terms of depositors and a lot of folks are worried. This is a pretty big bank. I should withdraw my bank from smaller banks or medium sized banks to put it into something that is, and this is a cliche in and of itself, quote unquote, too big to fail, which of course is colloquially associated with the 2008 recession caused by the government and housing situation. But it's one of those situations where a lot of people decided to move their money to larger banks, such as Bank of America, Chase, which is a conglomerate in and of itself, thanks to their acquisitions throughout the years. But this bank was hit particularly hard. So First Republic Bank, their stock dropped by 50%. So their market cap is now about $557 million in terms of their publicly traded stock. And just rewind the clock back a couple of years, November 2021, their stock peaked at $40 billion. And this was caused because last Monday, they had a hundred billion dollars withdrawn with customer deposits. And subsequently, these customers put that into different banks. Now, there's already some large banks circling around and there's a lot of speculation on which one is gonna bid the most for it. And, but unfortunately, it looks like it's gonna go under and the rationalization by the government is that if they allow it to go under, and all these folks who did not have, who had so much money they didn't, it would not be insured, which would be, that'd be a nice problem to have, frankly. And also, 
if you're part of that group, you can you can also insure that as well separately from the FDIC, which most businesses probably should have with the Silicon Valley Bank. But they're worried, again, the government is worried about the ripple effect. If this goes under, we don't bail them out. Will it cause the economy to get worse than the economy we've already destroyed of it, thanks to our own actions, which also led to 40-year high inflation? Now, the capitalist and perhaps the rational folks would also say, well, if you bail out the losers, there's an end to the cost, which is actually a lyric from uh, Keynes and Hayek, a rap video on YouTube where they talk about the different economic philosophies. And that is certainly true because you're basically telling banks, no matter how imprudent your business decisions are, no matter what you invest in, whether you invest in garbage that doesn't actually return a return on investment, so you're just bleeding money, there's no stress, there's no fear because the government will bail you, bail you out. And humans are very primal in the fact that they respond to incentive. So if we all see this, these banks getting bailed out, there's not much fear or consequence to your decisions because there is no consequence, really. So unfortunately, that's a little sad business news of the day. Time shall tell. It's with such a huge withdrawal of assets and their stock is so down. I don't, it doesn't seem quite good in terms of their outlook at the moment. The Magic 8-Ball perhaps would say outlook not good. And I tend to agree with that at the moment. Now, going on to the culture part of the podcast, you have Bud Light having an emergency meeting, or more accurately, their parent company, Anheuser-Busch, and sales are also down 50%. Now, this newest update stat is from a tri-state grocery store known as Stewart Leonard's, and this kind of further proves the point. It's just a lot of people are saying maybe folks are just getting tired of piss water. I mean, Bud White uh, beer. It's technically not water. I have to put that disclaimer. It does have alcohol in it. Granted, I drink spirits when the occasion calls for, so I don't think I've had that since college. But nevertheless, it's not just people drinking less of beer as a category. This same chain, and they have, again, it's a tri-state store, they had a 50% increase in Coors Light and Miller Light. And again, that goes back to the boycott of how easy it is based on the category of it itself, which is especially why if you have a product where the competition is less than a foot away. In the grocery store, it's inches away. And they, I'm sure a connoisseur could tell one versus the other in taste, and one might taste better in terms of the light beer, but it's one of those things where probably not the biggest deal in terms of the taste. If anything, it would go up, I would guess. But it's unlike many other business categories where there are less options so that a boycott would not be as effective. So I would say if you ever have a product where the competition is so fierce and so ridiculously, unprecedentedly close fiscally, like physically, they're right next to each other in the same beer fridge, it's going to have the direct comparison or the inverse effect. If your sales go down, theirs will go up. In this case, it was the exact same percentages. So they're not buying less beer, they're just buying the competitors which I don't know the political affiliations of Miller Lite, but none of them have endorsed someone who has an audience of children. I believe the average TikTok user is 20, and Dylan's average audience, many speculate, is about 15 years old, which begs the question, why would a beer company sponsor Dylan when that's not 
a beer company isn't supposed to advertise to anyone under 21 since the United States, that's a legal age beer. There's a debate in and of itself. If you're an American citizen at age 18 paying taxes and you can fight for the military, shouldn't you be able to buy a beer, which I tend to agree with, you need to choose one age which defines adulthood, whether it's 18, 24, 26, whatever, whatever that number is, it should be consistent. That would be the most logical thing. Granted also, politics and logic is like oil and water. You can mix as much as you want, fun science experiment at home, but at the end of the day, they really don't mix. They'll settle. Pretty cheap science experiment too, if you've got kids. It's a fun one. Now, we'll see what the long-term sales effect of this is, but it's not looking great. So it's gotten so bad, they had an emergency meeting, which we didn't know last week. We didn't know the full context of it. Some of that is starting to leak now, thankfully, and more news is coming out of the actual meeting that Bud Light had with their distributors, or rather Anheuser-Busch, the parent company. Now, they had a closed door meeting in DC, which also furthers the point of them being a political beer or political beverage company. Why are you having a meeting in DC? I mean, if you wanted to reaffirm or get the message out there that you're truly an American beer with their terribly cliche commercial that they had about two weeks ago, where they had the Clydesdale horses, they even referenced 9-11, had all this cliche symbols of freedom, which people on the right knew was distinct and, and just wasn't authentic. Then people on the left were also ostracized because they felt that they, Bud Light Company was abandoning their affiliation with Dylan. So they pissed everyone off of that commercial, brilliantly enough. But if I was the CEO, I would say, hey, let's have a meeting at some type of ballpark or like a farm, like something that is not as political as DC. Nevertheless, they did have this meeting with the distributors and they claim, quote, any new marketing will be heavily screened before it goes public, unquote. Which one would think when the most, one of the most important things of beverages is branding, marketing, and advertising. There's a reason Coca-Cola has sponsored the Olympics for darn near a hundred years. I think it was huge news when one or two years ago they said they weren't going to specifically sponsor it. But all these brands, and because again, they taste so darn similar, Coke versus Pepsi, some might argue Pepsi sweeter, so it's better. But nevertheless, a lot of these beverages are so, so similar, especially light beer. It's a lot of marketing. That's how they're pushing the product. It's whatever is most likely in your head or what's at the top of mind that's most likely going to be the product that you purchase. So that's why you see all these brands, especially beverage companies, they do a lot of advertising. So one would think if that's something that has such a high impact on your business, how do you not have a high level of scrutinization? I mean, it's not like the tasting department in Bud Light where it's a blind man that has the taste buds of someone that had their tongue burned. I don't think they test, I don't think they do much taste test quality at Bud Light, but one would think all right, the most important thing is marketing for this. Why wouldn't they put more oversight on that instead of hiring someone who is clearly an activist and proceeded to make a multi-billion dollar business blunder? Perhaps a business blunder of the year. Again, time shall tell if we nominate them to, for some type of interesting, funny award like that. And it's interesting, it's, they, they're handling this very politically. They're actually giving the distributors talking points as if, as if they're a presidential nominee. So. If these beer distributors, which that's got to be a tough job since in my IT job, I have a similar situation. Thankfully, most of those companies do not get too political in terms of public sponsorships. But 
they don't control Bud Light. So if you're a distributor, your job is to distribute the product. So you're having interactions with the purchasers, being the grocery stores, the bar owners, and you're building those relationships, trying to increase their sales. And they can't, they do not control the quality of the product or the more, more concerning in this situation, the marketing and the branding of the product. So they're in a tight spot because they don't have a lot of these answers, but now they're giving these BS answers, or I'm sorry, intelligent political answers, the types of answers that like the CEO of Anheuser-Busch a couple weeks ago, they say nothing without, they say, they say something without saying something where he prolifically had, or I guess mildly or boringly had a page little agenda where they didn't actually address the issue. And it was so, it could have just been a copy paste from a PR firm saying, here's, we love America. Like didn't address the issue, didn't address the concern of the shareholders, the stockholders. And at the end of the day, it wasn't effective because it, it pissed off everyone. Perhaps they have political aspirations, but they're giving them talking points. And one of the things that they're, the Anheuser-Busch company is telling distributors is letting them know, hey, this is only a one, we only made one can for Dylan Mulvaney, who's the famous, very viral, many, many, many people know of Dylan on the platform TikTok, which is a social media platform more addictive than most drugs, I would say, and is used by way too many kids, especially in the United States. There's not a single positive reason for your kid to have that. I still debate if there's any positive reason for a kid to have a cell phone these days. I mean, we need more books, less electronic doodads. There are great educational tools, but as soon as you give them a pathway to the internet, again, that's one of those things where that's a huge amount of data. Most of it, I would say, not cohesive to a building of a well-balanced person or even a child. Now, that being said, some of those situations where they're telling the distributors, hey, we gave Dylan what a commemorative bottle. So there was this issue where a lot of people didn't realize they thought this was gonna be a mass produced product so that it was on store shelves everywhere. And there's a similar situation with, I believe it was Hershey's in Canada where they had a similar business partnership where they partnered with a trans activist. And that was limited just to Canada. Some folks thought it was gonna be international. Now, many people are also saying, well, it doesn't matter. It's the fact that you did it. You paid this person, I believe it was hundred dollars to $150,000, more money than people make in years for a single picture, which, gosh, in terms, in terms of effort, that's a re phenomenal return on investment from Dylan's perspective. For one little picture, what takes three to four minutes to set up? Oh, maybe more if Dylan does Dylan's hair, but nevertheless, great sales pitch. I'm, part but yeah they're giving them talking points but still the boycott is increasing the sales are decreasing exponentially the when the quarter results come out and i believe their calendar year is their fiscal year as well meaning that q1 of the year is q1 for them fiscally when that comes out i think a lot of people are going to be pretty shocked again they're a big brand but this isn't ending and in fact, anecdotally speaking, I saw an advertisement yesterday on Facebook for Modelo. And it was a pretty innocuous ad. It was just, you know, the picture of the bottle saying, getting ready for summer, some cliche crap like that. I mean, brilliant marketing. Someone got paid to do that. It was completely ratioed, as the kids would say, or the youngsters might say. And as a situation on the social media phenomenon where more of the responses that are negative towards the ad have more of a positive receivership. So more people gave thumbs up, likes to the comments saying, this is BS, we know you're InBev, which is the 
ginormic parent company that owns 50, about 50 brands of beers throughout the globe. And InBev is a giant parent company behind that. I believe it's based in Belgium. So people are starting to catch on. It's not just Bud Light, which is owned by Anheuser-Busch, but Anheuser-Busch in and of itself is a subsidiary of InBev globally. So that one, this people are starting to realize more and more the breadth. And there's also a lot of concern of some of the conspiracy things saying, you know, choice is just an illusion. There's a lot of consolidation in the beverage industry. Many industries, in fact, that's how businesses grow. Usually by acquisition is one of the most prudent and wisest and fastest ways to grow a business. But a lot of people are starting to realize, oh wait, that's Bud Light too? It's not just Budweiser and Bud Light? Oh no, it's dozens of brands locally and then globally it's 50 plus brands. Needless to say, the boycott is not letting up on steam and time shall tell what kind of a large scale impact it will have both short term for the fiscal quarter and then long term. Time shall tell. Now, other interesting culture news, speaking of Bud Light with their relationship, their endorsement with Dylan Mulvaney, Dylan Mulvaney is actually calling for people to be arrested if you misgender folks. Now, misgendering is a fascinating modern phenomenon, which is clearly a thing of the West. It's one of those things where if you go to Africa or places where people really have to hustle to make ends meet, they don't do these types of things. Now, I'll actually pull up the little short video or Dylan calls for people to be arrested. And for the folks who think this is hyperbole or it could never happen, it actually has happened and is happening happening in other countries. This isn't, this is a 1984 dystopian idea just because it goes against free speech, which is something, something that used to be many, every American used to believe in, shows you how times have changed. But this is happening in other countries. People insulted the prime minister, I believe whoever the heck did it, oh yeah, the uh, Cuban, Who's Fidel Castro's kid? Allegedly Fidel Castro's kid, Justin Trudeau, for being authoritarian for lockdowns and being very oppressive in general, taking people's away, even saying people do not have a right to defend themselves, taking away guns with confiscation, and people who insulted him, they were fined and jailed in Canada. So hate speech is a legal thing in other countries where you can be prosecuted fis fiscally, both with your dollar, but also Physically, they'll put you in jail. And with the global trends, it w it's not too far-fetched to say it could be knocking, or rather, it already is knocking on our door. Social media, a lot of videos are being pulled from YouTube based on people misgendering. And there's a lot of people who are saying, well, it could just be an honest mistake. Some people are doing, saying people say it's maliciously, it's mental games, it's 1984. But the private sector is already doing it. I don't think it'll be long before this gets to the government level and it'll be interesting to see how the lawsuits come out because of course most like main government laws lawsuits ensue you have lawyers get involved to see where the constitution is is or is it not protected is it constitutional but here's actually without further ado here's the actual video fascinatingly enough dylan is wearing the same necklace i think one of the gals in my family has that interestingly enough like the articles written about me using he pronouns and calling me a man over and over again and i i feel like that should be illegal i i don't know that's that's just bad journalism like the article it's bad journalism someone say accurate just based on chromosomes and biology but 
is becoming more and more of a political ch politically charged issue. A lot of folks in the middle are confused as hell on what's going on these days. You have people on the right who are against these types of things, people on the left who are supportive of that ideology and they think it should be forced upon others. Personally, I personally I like to be left the hell alone in general, but a lot of people are concerned because it is forced speech. It's forcing you to make statements. Some people are also citing biblical faith reasons of why they do not believe in that. And some people are just Americans saying, hey, whatever happened to the First Amendment? It used to be a thing, kind of like Second Amendment and all the other good ones. Now, going on to the politics, speaking of the Second Amendment, talking about the politics issues of the day. Now, this is a fascinating video where the ATF director was roasted during a congressional hearing when they talked about the pistol brace. The pistol brace famously being the situation where in the United States, there are a lot of, the downside of being, of liking guns is you have to know the law to the letter because you could be thrown in jail the next day even if you didn't do anything wrong. I say this, this is a perfect example. The arm brace is a situation where a disabled war veteran who could not shoot an AR-15 safely because of a disability from the war, they thought of a brilliant multi-million dollar patent. Now this patent had a situation where instead of having a stock, where think of it as traditional stock being about like that, you have a closed fixed piece of plastic, put your shoulder against it, bang, bang, it works. They thought to have a brace, instead of the stock being a solid piece of plastic, it was more like a tongue. So it'd be a tongue, you put it against your shoulder, you can't do that, but they decided the tongue to wrap around the arm. So you have the pistol grip for the AR-15, it would wrap around your arm and you would shoot it and they called it a arm stabilizer. The ATF approved that patent and approved it as a valid device that people could purchase. However, the ATF does like to change their mind and make up new laws. Granted, they don't have the authority to because it's, that's what Congress used to be for. A lot of people are seeing them bleed from misinterpreting and reinterpreting laws to make new laws. Now, folks realize that instead of spending the $200 by short in order to buy a short-failed rifle in the United States, called a SBR, abbreviated, you have to pay a $200 tax stamp to the U.S. Treasury Department. Thank God that wasn't adjusted for inflation when the law was passed. From now, from then when the law was passed to now, that's about five grand now, because it was passed in 1934. Now, this law is written in which, in order to get the SBR, you have to do that paperwork, extra background checks, and if you have that, then you have a short-failed rifle. And people soon realized you could just buy an AR pistol, which mechanically is the same, and they could put the brace, and instead of putting it, strapping it to their arm, they could just put it to their shoulder like a stock. Now, the ATF decided that in doing so, the person is changing the definition of the item, using it differently and as intended, which is kind of like mind games, because it's one of those things where it's thought control at that point. And it's also your property, you purchase it legally. So the ATF decided to change their mind and overnight make, believe, there's an estimate, conservative estimates about how many people purchase this product, again, purchasing it legally. There's about between 10 and 40 million Americans who purchase that product. And if the person sells that product, I believe it's after May 31st, after a arbitrary day, if they don't turn it in or destroy it or remove it completely from the firearm as in different location or something like that. Again, I'm not a lawyer, just trying to understand as best of my ability to this confusing situation. If they still have the item in their possession, that would be a unregistered SBR. That means the penalty being a 10 year in prison and or 
Again, $250,000 fine. And of course, you're a felon, you can't vote. There's a big ripple effect for this issue and millions of Americans are gonna be affected by the outcome. Personally, I always thought it was more of a, a gimmick item, so I didn't like to partake in it. Although spiritually, in terms of the spirit of the, of the Second Amendment, I believe in everyone's right to purchase it, a product as they see fit to, to defend it themselves and their family. So we've had some congressional hearings where they're trying to say, you know, where do you come with these definitions? Where do you come with these decisions? And this is where this interesting video came up. So you have AT Director Steve Belichick, Delbeck. Now he was being asked questions about what a sulfur rifle is from representative from Republican from Ohio, Jim Jordan, who, unlike most many Republicans historically and now, who are basically, I think Ted Cruz said it well, where he's when he got elected, people told him, "Don't become a statue." Where people see folks go to Congress, get elected, and their eyes kind of die a little bit inside as one could only suppose their souls die because they don't do anything and they just become yes men and they don't really ask questions or really push initiatives that people voted to get them to do. So it's a cliche. I know if you could tell a politician is lying because they're moving their lips, but Jim Jordan has been asking more and more questions, which I appreciate. Now time shall tell if there's a, how effective they are and if they're able to curtail certain laws, but he seems to be doing something and the bar is very low for politicians doing something is such a big deviation from the typical politician that does nothing i appreciate that now this is an interesting clip where jordan is asking you know you know what's going on you know how do you i mean when it comes to the atf now a lot of people are thinking they're always stepping their authority and there's a lot of concern because they're not elected they're appointed so there's not really much control over your vote really doesn't count in that situation. And when asked about it, Jim Jordan actually noted, quote, that's not how it's supposed to work in our great country. Congress writes the laws and the executive branch enforces them. Here, the executive branch is taking power from, from Congress in deciding what the law should be. Director Delbeck has, in essence, become a one-man Congress, unquote. Which I tend to agree. He's made this law, which wasn't passed by anyone. And they're also reclassifying an item which was purchased legally. And I believe it's a force the amendment. They're basically saying you can't have this item without actually any due process. They're not calling you to court. You haven't committed a crime. You purchased a product. They said it was legal at the time. And now they're saying if you don't get rid of it, and I would say even if they physically, in terms of cash, gave you a compensation, I still don't think morally that's right because you filed the law and they're just redefining it arbitrary, arbitrarily to fit their political narrative, which begs the question, is this politically motivated? I would say so. Now this is nevertheless entertaining to hear this interaction. Uh, as a gun owner uh, of many different types and a, and a 20 year military veteran, I have some expertise in weaponry uh, and self-defense weapons. What could you, in 15 seconds, would you define an assault weapon for me? So, so if you go after 15 seconds, I'll just interrupt you. Yeah, so. So, so I'll go shorter than that because I, I honestly, I do think that's a, if Congress wishes to take that up, I think Congress would have to do the work, but we would be there to provide technical assistance. I, unlike you, I'm not a firearms expert to the same extent as you may be, but we have people at ATF who can talk about, uh, uh, velocity of firearms, what damage different kinds of firearms cause. So that whatever determination 
you, you chose to make would be an informed one. Uh, as a so let me get this straight. You're the head of the ATF and you don't have a lot of knowledge about firearms. That'd be like, I can't think of a, that'd be like Mary Barra, the CEO of General Motors. I'd be like asking her and she about what is a car and she go, oh, I really don't know about what a car is. I, that's not my job. I, I, I got people back in, back in Detroit that can help you out with that question. Even if you're not a engineer that could tell me the exact mechanical functions or little intricacies or the in, little you know specs and fe speeds and feeds on the, the actual product, you should be able to define simple terms, which that brief interaction was enough for me to see how much of a political bureaucrat that ATF director is. Like many people in politics, he completely abdicates from responsibility. He doesn't answer the question, which you see more and more and more these days on the right and the left. Some would argue more than the, one more than the other, but they can't answer the simplest of questions. And this is a real deal that's going to affect millions and millions of law-abiding citizens. They might, they might not be able to vote in 2024 if they don't get rid of that item or destroy that item, that item being the arm brace. So there's a lot of speculation on what's going to happen to those folks. And there's also interesting news, anecdotal, anecdotal evidence, saying that the ATF isn't going to put much resources into enforcing that law, which begs the question, why are they passing it? Or why are they, again, they're not supposed to pass laws. That's, they shouldn't have that authority. They don't. Why are they reclassifying it, de facto making it a law, if they're not going to enforce it? Is it to, for it to be a selective enforcement? Only to be used against selective individuals? If they're so dangerous, why don't you go door to door? It's an interesting situation, especially concerning in this climate, as it seems that more and more charges are brought based on politics and political affiliations. Maybe instead of having a business blunder today, perhaps we have a political blunder or something to that effect. But again, that's blunder. Now, on the upside of politics, there is some good news. Now. Texas is now arming more and more teachers and increasing pay as well as resources for trainings. You have more than 170 school districts have adopted the policy, giving teachers the right and the option to be armed. That's fantastic news. Even if you're against, I can't think of anyone who would be against that, especially if they're properly trained. I don't think someone, anyone should lose the right to protect themselves just because they cross the threshold of a door, they have to go to work. And it's one of those phenomenons, especially to have such a vulnerable type of situation where your job is to teach kids. Why make them a soft target? That's disgusting that some people would be against the idea of giving them that freedom to defend themselves. Now, this is coming in light of Texas Governor Greg Abbott signing into law that would allow schools, school districts to place armed teachers or armed personnel on campus as they see fit to create and create quote unquote threat assessment teams to help identify potential dangerous students. Now, I know guns are an inherently political thing for many people since usually, well, nowadays it seems most people on the left and the right are trying to take away gun rights, but that's a topic in and of itself for another day. But why not give those kids the best chance of survival? Why not let the bad guys know you would have to be beyond insane to attack a school. Make it so that they know it is a death sentence to go anywhere near a school with bad or ill intentions. This happened a couple years ago. Georgia, a couple of school districts 
They actually had signs on the school that said, every one of our teachers has a Glock. Guess which ones? They all do. And guess what? That school has been threatened since. One of my favorite anecdotal examples came from Ben Shapiro. He's a political commentator at the Daily Wire, where he noted that there was a synagogue or was a Jewish school where a perpetrator was going to go up to the school. The perpetrator had a gun. And they noticed that they had a good old Israel-manufactured Uzi. So they had an armed guard at that Jewish school. That perpetrator saw that armed guard. That perpetrator made a specific choice to go to a different school that did not have an armed guard, and bad things ensued. A horrific situation to say the least, but it's also, I know it's hard to say common sense these days since it seems as though there's no common sense left, it's just a few cents. But let bad guys know schools are armed to the teeth. If you attempt anything, there's not going to be a warning shot. You will be shot. You will not hurt kids. Now, the only disappointing thing from Greg Abbott is that there's not a clause in the bill that stipulates every teacher has a 10-gallon cowboy hat. I would have been behind that as well, since traveling to Texas, I was shocked to see only a few of them. Make hats great again, or again, maybe he should use that in reasons to re-election. Perhaps might be, perhaps that might reignite some Texas spirit as well. But nevertheless. I think that's a brilliant political move just because defend the kids, let people know they're going to be safe. Now, going over to the business blunder of the day, and this is a doozy because it's very expensive for the average consumer to absorb this situation. You have Sam's Club accidentally putting diesel fuel in their unleaded gasoline tanks. Now, for those who aren't automotive aficionados, two of the most popular Liquid fuels are gasoline and diesel fuel. Diesel fuel being more of a industrial use. Many people use them in trucks these days, farm equipment. And the use of actual small cars with diesel in America is dwindling throughout the years. That trend has mainly been going more towards ICE engine or internal combustion engine with gasoline and then hybrids and EVs in the United States from what I see from my automotive research. Now, if you put diesel fuel in a car that is engineered to take unleaded gas, again, it's like putting, I can't think of a funnier, interesting metaphor at the moment, someone in the comments surely must, but it's one of those situations where you're putting the wrong fuel in, you're going to you irrevocably damage the engine, most, more often than not, beyond repair, because it's just the bad fuel. It's the opposite of the Family Guy situation where Peter was at the airport and he decided to put jet fuel in his truck because they thought it would make his truck fly. Which, cartoon logic, yes, but no. Although, perhaps, for example, since military-grade Humvees actually do use jet fuel, but they're designed for that specifically. Nevertheless, average consumer-grade cars do get hurt. So you had customers filling up their cars. This is over in Fayetteville, Arkansas, unfortunately, occurring between April 21st and April 24th. And you had one customer of a Jeep Grand Cherokee, although this might have been a favor to him just because it's a Jeep Grand Cherokee. Nevertheless, there's still a sad situation. That note, owner noted, quote, got out the next morning and it wouldn't go anywhere. It would just start up, die, and a lot of white smoke out blowing out the back of it, unquote. He later said to KFSM News, he followed a tow truck to a local shop with a mechanic relayed that bad news is that there's diesel in your gas car. 
And especially right now with hyperinflation, a lot of folks struggling to keep their heads afloat above waters. Imagine losing a car, that's a huge pain. And apparently this is not that uncommon according to that local mechanic, it's happened a couple times. So again, it goes into quality control when you're having those big tankers or those big fuel trucks come into the stations, for the love of God, make sure they're putting that right fuel into the right tanks. So when the consumer clicks that button that says regular unleaded or if you're pinky high fancy, you got a nice car, premium unleaded, they're actually getting gasoline, not diesel fuel. Now, needless to say, that is a business blunder of the day. I also wanted to thank everyone, especially yesterday was our, or rather last Friday, was one of our most popular episodes with all the likes. It helped us get a record number of views as well, or one of the top records of the views. It really helps the channel. So every time you like and subscribe, comment, it helps us out, and I greatly appreciate it. Also, the feedback in the comment section is valuable, helping us get better and better at the show. Also, don't forget to tell your family, tell your friends, tell your coworkers. Heck, tell anyone and everyone to stay safe and fight the good fight.